Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Um, today, we want to start talking about best Christmas ever. Um, man, I tell you what, was last week good or was last week good? It was so good to rejoice in the faithfulness and the goodness of God over the 70 years of what he's done in and through this church, you, the people of God. And uh, the videos were incredible. And as I said last week, I would have loved to have time to sit down with every one of you and heard your story and uh, gotten that on film. But last week, we got several people and. As we were filming, a lot of stories came out that we didn't have time to share. And one in particular I want to tell you about, uh, Sam and Janie McAdoo were there just sharing their hearts and sharing their stories. And uh, they were reminiscing uh, to uh, a bunch of years ago when an ice storm came through on Christmas Eve. And it hit, and it hit hard. And uh, the roads were frozen up. People that were traveling didn't have any choice but just to stop. Hotels filled up quickly, and so uh, Sam realized that. So he called the pastor and said, man, can we open the doors of the church and just let people in? They need some place to stay. And, of course, the answer was yes. So they came down, they opened the doors, and Sam got on the phone. <laughs> right? He got on the phone. Some of you have no idea what it just did. And um, he got on the phone, and he started calling all the local hotels and said, hey, we know you're full. Send them our way. And uh, a couple of things that he said in that story that were kind of cool. One, he said at the time, he said, I don't think anybody knew where this church was. He said, that's changed. And uh, anyway, people started coming. They started rolling in. And so they put out a few other phone calls for uh, folks, maybe some of you and HC people just started rolling in with blankets and pillows. And, and people were coming into this worship center to spend the night, uh, to, to, to sleep on the pews that were there. And as people were gathering in, the place was filling up pretty good. Uh, Sam and Janie realized that there were a lot of kids in the room and realized that they were going to wake up on Christmas morning giftless. And they said, that, that can't happen. And so they went on the hunt. They went on the search. And they went throughout the building and, and uh, looked in one classroom. And sure enough, there were leftover toys from a toy drive that had happened that year. And they went in there and they started pulling out toys and they were able to bless every single kid uh, with a toy. They said there was just enough toys for every kid to the age appropriate level and the gender. How cool is that? And when they said that, I'm not joking, Sam and Jenny looked at each other and simultaneously said, best Christmas ever. Isn't that a cool story? And notice I said best Christmas ever. Not best gift ever. So as you think and you reminisce right now, what was the best Christmas ever for you? Well, we want to take a moment right now to read about what in my mind is not debatable. Uh, we want to read about the best Christmas ever. In fact, it's the first Christmas. So we encourage you right now to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And we want to read about the best Christmas ever. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. While you're turning, someone recommended that since I had a sweater on, I could have sat it down and taken my shoes off and put tennis shoes on and had a little moment there. I don't know if any of you are tracking with what that might be, but Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood going on there. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor... 
Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, the very David that took Goliath down, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance. I want to pause. His fiance, not his wife, his fiance. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. If you've read the story before, you know the whole deal, but I just want to make it very clear that they weren't married and she had a baby on the way. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. A manger would be a trough, a feeding place for the animals. And it goes on to say, because there was no lodging available for them. It doesn't sound like this is really shaping up to be the best Christmas ever, does it? I mean, just some crazy stuff going on. They had to travel. They're tired. They're weary. There's no place for them to stay. They end up in a stable. They put their brand new baby in a manger and a feeding trough. Well, the story goes on in verse number 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, and I want you to grasp the suddenness of this moment. You're out in the field. You're looking at the stars. It's quiet. All you can hear is the campfire crackling and maybe a few animals off in the distance making some noise every now and then, a few baths of the sheep every now and then. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord in all of its radiance appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And just like you and I would have been, they were terrified. They were terrified. They were scared out of their wits. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. You've got to understand, for a lot of reasons, they would have been afraid. Uh, one is because they're out in the middle of the dark, in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden this bright being shows up and just kind of blows the place up. That was one huge reason. As soon as they were able to kind of put it all together and realize this is an angel of the Lord, that made it scary for a second reason. You've got to understand, a lot of times throughout the history of mankind, when God would decide to uh, send his messenger of an angel to people, a lot of times it wasn't good news they would bear, it would be bad news. And they didn't know what they were about to hear, what they were about to experience. They didn't know if it was over for them. They didn't know what was about to be proclaimed. In verse 10, it goes on to say, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I want to read that again. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. Good news changes everything. Think about that for just a moment. Good news, it can change everything. 
You've had those moments where things were just down and things were out and things were not going your way. Somebody came along and told you something that you didn't even allow yourself to hope for. And they tell you that it's true. And everything for you changes in that moment. Would you agree that our world is desperate right now for some good news? Call me what you want. I hardly ever watch the news. Uh, there are two reasons why I don't watch the news. One, it is negative and crazy. And whew. two, if anything big enough happens, my mom or dad will call me because they watch the news. <laughs> we'll be in the middle of dinner and we'll have to push pause on dinner to go watch the news. You know what I'm saying? Middle of the ball game, not joking. It'd be fourth quarter, two minutes left. 10 o'clock, we got to turn the news on. What? I don't know about you, but when you turn on any of the news channels, you just don't hear much good news. Our world is desperate for good news. And when I say our world, I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about you and I, our neighbors, our friends, our relatives. We're desperate for good news. Good news can change everything. You can give a scared child a sucker and a smile, and it can change everything for them. You can tell a high schooler they passed the driving test finally. And it changes everything, doesn't it? Some of you are like, yeah, it changes the insurance bill, right? <laughs> Tell some fans their losing coach is going to be replaced. That changes everything, doesn't it? Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> Tell someone the insurance is going to pay. can change everything, can it? Tell a couple they're having a baby. That changes everything, doesn't it? Tell a couple they're going to have twins. <laughs> I'll never forget the day. Um, we had two children at the time. Our uh, oldest, Cade and Ryan, were already uh, born, and uh, we were expecting our third child. And uh, we go into the doctor, who was an awesome, awesome doctor and also an awesome man of God. And uh, we're there on the little ultrasound, you know, and it's up on the screen. And he looks at me, and he says, what do you see there, Dad? And I gave him a double take, you know, like, what? And I said, well, we're paying you. <laughs> you know, like, what? And no joke. These are the words out of his mouth. What do they say in that gum commercial? Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's how we found out we were having twins. <laughs> it changed everything. Asked my wife what her first thought was. She immediately thought, she'll tell you this, she immediately thought, we've got to have another baby bed. All right, that was her first thought. My first thought was, we've got to have a bigger vehicle. We can't fit everybody. It changes everything. Can you imagine being a young girl and you're not married and you've never been with a man and you're told you're going to be expecting a child? Can you imagine being engaged to a young lady and she comes to you and says, I'm expecting a child and it's not yours and it's not another man's? Process that for just a moment. You see, we were surprised we were having twins, but we weren't surprised we were having a baby. We did what was necessary to have a baby. Mary and Joseph didn't do what was necessary to have a baby. And yet here's Mary, this young virgin girl expecting a child. I don't know if at this point they really counted it fully as good news or not. It was big news, and it definitely changed everything. Good news can change everything. I don't know about you, but I like to be the bearer of good news. Don't you like to drop good stuff on people? 
And uh, it's just kind of been a season lately, and it's not because of things that I've necessarily done, but I've been able to be the one that's been able to tell some people lately about some really cool things and uh, be a part of seeing them get blessed. And it's so much fun to just blow somebody's mind and for them to not expect anything or be kind of down and out and just get to drop good news on them and for it to change their perspective and to change their situation in life. It's a ton of fun to drop good news on people. And this angel gets to show up to these shepherds and bring this good news. Look at verse number 11. This is the good news that was declared. The angel proclaims, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today, December 25th, A.D. 1. That's not written there, by the way. I just said that so you get a little laugh and you didn't laugh. And so anyway, I guess it wasn't funny. Just in case you don't know, we really don't know if it was December 25th or not. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, the Savior, the rescuer that you have been waiting for is here. The Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one, the expected one, he's here. The Lord, the King, the ruler, the one who has power to do anything, he is here. They announced the birth of a Savior, which was and is the need that they had and that we have today, the need of mankind, a Savior. We don't need another advisor. We don't need another reformer. We don't need another committee. We don't need another politician. We need a Savior. And good news has a name, and his name is Jesus. Good news has a name. Its name is Jesus. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and so many of you in this room are, the vast majority of us know and believe and experience, have experienced Jesus. This is the good news that we enjoy over and over and over and over again. In case you haven't been tracking, every single Sunday, I say the same thing over and over again, and it's that the good news is Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He has been the long-awaited one that we so desperately need. He's the only one that can take care of all of the problems of our world. He is the God-man. He is Jesus, the one Savior, the one Messiah, the one Lord. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus, the heavenly child of an earthly mother. He was an earthly child of a heavenly father. Jesus, the God-man. He was God, so he had no beginning, yet he became a man, so he had a birthday. He was as old as his father because he was eternal. But he was younger than his mother because he was a physical human being. This is the good news that changes everything. This is not just another guy being born. We're talking about Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord being born. The one who can rescue us, the one who can deliver us, the one who can forgive us, redeem us, and change us. 
This is our hope. This is our message. This is what we declare. This is why we live. This is why we gather. This is why we worship. This is why we go and we share. Jesus. Jesus. It's the reason why you invited your friend to be here today because you wanted them to hear about Jesus. The one who changes everything. The good news that trumps every other bit of good news out there. The good news. Again, the good news has a name, and its name is Jesus. But good news also has hands and feet. Let me tell you, the hands and the feet, that's us. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We can't go back a couple thousand years ago and be there on that night when Jesus was born, but yet Jesus lives inside us today and he wants us to share him with the world just like the angel did. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. Scripture, scripture declares that all of you together are Christ's body. Now think about that for just a moment. Jesus, born in a manger, Son of God, Savior, Messiah, the Lord. He had a physical body. He lived here among us, did it without sin. And now we see in Scripture, after Jesus has died, after Jesus has risen again from the dead, and after Jesus has gone back to have heaven, the Word declares that all of you together are Christ's body. Speaking to the church, speaking to those that have believed in Jesus and said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, do you want me to be baptized? Yes, I will be baptized. Jesus, what else do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to join together with a local church and worship you and get to know you and share you? Yes, I will do that. Jesus, you, you want me to obey everything that you proclaimed? Okay, Jesus, I'm going to do that. And the word of God says, all of you together are Christ's body. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus today. And it goes on to say there in verse 27, and each of you is a part of it. Think about that for just a moment. You and I have the opportunity and the responsibility today as believers, as followers of Jesus, not just to know Jesus, to experience Jesus, and to have Jesus, and to tell others about Jesus. We have all of those things, but we literally have the opportunity as the church to be Jesus to those, of, to those around us. We get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. What an incredible, mind-blowing thought that we are the body of Christ. And man, there are so many ways that I could... Um, show my gratitude and appreciation and recognition to you, uh, this local church, in the ways that you are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Just like last week, we don't have enough time to remember and reminisce and talk about everything that God has done through his church. Same thing happens here today, but I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you so much for being the hands and the feet of Jesus. So many of you are out there being the hands and the feet of Jesus, and none of the rest of us really even know anything about it because you're just going through your daily life following Jesus, loving people, touching people, helping people, serving people, giving to people, and it's happening all around us. Thank you so, so much. There's so many ways that I could recognize and, again, say thank you. And Christmas time, we 
obviously think about giving during the Christmas time, don't we? I mean, it's just kind of what we do. We buy presents, we wrap them up, we give them to people um, that we like or we drew their name, and uh, we bless them with something that hopefully they wanted or at least we wanted to give them. And, um, you know, we think about giving and we think about generosity. And, and normally Christmas time is a time when anybody that has any kind of influence, whether you're a dad or whether you're a pastor or whether you're a teacher or whatever your influence is, you, you normally try to use that influence to stir up generosity, right? You're like, come on, it's Christmas time. Let's be generous. You, every radio station you listen to right now, hey, you can drop your toys off here. Hey, you can give there. That little bell's ringing out in front of Walmart. All these ways that are encouraging generosity during the Christmas time. And I say, great, go for it. Don't stop. Do all you can. Wonderful. Every bit of giving that you can do is absolutely beautiful. But I just want to tell you that it is really, really cool that here we are in Christmas time as a church. And I don't feel compelled this morning to encourage you to give. I feel compelled to celebrate your generosity. This has been a year of generosity amongst this body. Just an unbelievable year of you, the people of God, just being willing to share and to give in so many ways. It's shown up in all kinds of ways. One way in particular that it's shown up is in our giving here at our church. It's just been phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's been incredible. In fact, last week, if you were here and you were listening and you were paying attention, uh, you knew that I did something very risky, and I told you that we have already given through our church this year more than our budget this year. It's awesome. It's wonderful. We celebrate. And I told you that was risky because the the odds are that somebody who's greedy might say, well, man, it's going to be a good Christmas at our house this year, right? We don't have to give anymore. Instead, let me tell you what happened last week. Let me tell you what happened last week. As a result of us taking that risk and telling you that, last week was our largest ever online giving week in the history of our church. That happened last week after we told you that we've already blown up our budget through generosity. Church, you guys are amazing. It's just, yeah, you can celebrate that. I'm celebrating it. It's wonderful. So here's the truth. You're sitting beside somebody that's really generous right now. You're sitting beside somebody that's really, really generous right now. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, I know you guys are followers of Jesus. How do I know you're followers of Jesus? Because greedy people don't follow Jesus. Instead, you're followers of Jesus that share good things, and you're followers of Jesus who share good things. News. As a result of the generosity within our church, we're going to be able to do, we have some opportunity to do some incredible things. Uh, Again, I could talk about a lot of them, and we're going to share some more things um, as time goes on. But I just want to ask this question before I share this. What if this was the best Christmas ever? What if we just really owned more than ever the truth of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord having come and understand the magnitude of that good news and being willing to share it and share of ourselves as God would have us to do. What if this was the best Christmas ever? Well, we've got some opportunities to continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I want to share a portion of one of those opportunities with you. Um, In November, I had an incredible opportunity uh, by way of invite to go on a trip to Peru. 
and um, Compassion International, which a lot of you in this room may be familiar with. Uh, I've been partnered with Compassion. We have as a family for a lot of years, and uh, Compassion goes into some of the most impoverished countries in the world, and uh, there through sponsors uh, like you and I, uh, they go and they're able to love on, feed, educate, and share the gospel with kids around the world. Well, there's another organization called Stadia that helps churches plant churches. It's, a part, it's an organization that we partner with helping us plant a church in Indianapolis. By the way, kind of cool little side note. Last Sunday, we celebrated 70 years as a church. It wasn't the exact date of our birthday, but we celebrated it last Sunday. We celebrated on Sunday morning. On Sunday night, a brand new church began on Sunday night in Indianapolis. Isn't that pretty cool that we're helping get launched? Well, anyway, these two organizations, Stadia and Compassion, invited me to go on this vision trip to see what God is doing in Peru. He's doing it uh, in other countries as well, but I got to see Peru. Compassion and Stadia have joined together to help churches in Peru reproduce and for more children to be cared for and to be loved on. If there's one word that I could describe my trip in, it would be just this one word, incredible. What we saw were American churches like ours, partnering with Compassion and Stadia, helping Peruvian churches build their church buildings so that their pastors can plant churches and so that kids can be loved on and poured into with the gospel. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but I want to give you a quick video that kind of helps us see what this can look like. We plant new churches that intentionally care for children. We know that new church planting remains the single most effective way of reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. But what we've discovered over the past several years is that 85% of those who make a decision to follow Jesus do so between the ages of 4 and 14. So when we combine new church planting with intentionally caring for children, we see exponential kingdom results. That's why I love our partnership with Compassion International. What an amazing child advocacy ministry. When we go in, plant the new churches, Compassion, through sponsorships from people like you, sponsors 200 plus children. That church flourishes. I'm so excited about exploring a new partnership that Eastside is beginning with Compassion International and Stadium, where the three of us are going to come together in Mexico in a very unique kind of partnership to establish a church, but also to sponsor children and give them a hope and a future. When we first arrived in Mexico, we visited a site where a child development center had already been in operation for about 10 years. We saw a well-run program full of happy children and teens who were loved and cared for. They had strong relationships with Christ and each other. They were self-confident and articulate. They had dreams and goals and wanted to give back to the current generation of children, mentoring and guiding them just as others had done for them. I was blown away by the effectiveness of this model, where the local church now is known as a component in that community that cares for families, that cares for their children. And Eastside, we kind of get to lead the way on this one. We're pioneering a new model for the country. One of the most impressive things about what happens in the Compassion Program is that every four minutes, someplace in the world, there's a child accepting Jesus because of what they've learned through their Compassion experience. 
where moms and babies are being cared for, over 80% of those moms become Christ followers because of the love that they receive from their compassion staff members, because of the difference they see that the church makes in the community. We help them in their spiritual life. We help them in their thought processing, their self-esteem and social skills and take care of their health needs. It makes a huge difference in the child's perspective and how they look at life. Why would someone who doesn't even know me take an interest in me? That was the biggest impact I ever had in my life, that someone chose me when I was seven years old. This is a real child who's waiting for sponsorship. You have the opportunity to rewrite their future. Every child in the world deserves this. I received Christ here. I crossed the line of faith here. I don't know what I would be like if Christ wasn't in my life. Thank you for sponsoring children all around the world. Your investment makes an eternal difference in the life of a child. Let's make sure that every child has a church. So that video was from Eastside Church, and uh, I don't know why that can be from Holland Chapel. I got a few pictures I want to share with you really quick that I think depict my trip just a little bit in Peru. Um, might take a minute to switch that over. Um, this first picture um, is with this family here, a Peruvian family, and all four of those children are sponsored by uh, families here in the United States. They attend a church there. Uh, that was helped to be plant planted. And we got to go in there and visit them with their dirt floor and this hut of a house. And we saw nothing but joy and gratefulness uh, towards God and his generosity towards them and the gospel that they have experienced. Let's go to the next picture. Got to feed the children that day. Literally got to go um, take uh, that chicken and rice and put it in front of them. There are three boys right back there. Do you see the boy in the red shirt leaning up against the wall? He and those three boys, I was actually serving the Kool-Aid, you know, the drinks. And um, anyway, I came back around, and I knew I'd serve them. And they're like, we don't have a drink. You know, they were saying it in Spanish, but, you know, they were doing this. So anyway, and I was like, I know I gave you a drink. These three boys took their cups and put them underneath their chairs so that we didn't know they had drinks so they could get out of the drink. And I thought, they are just like my three boys. <laughs> and they would do the same thing, right? Smart kids. Anyway, it was just a joy to feed them on that day. Let's go to the next um, picture. Uh, they welcomed us to this one particular church. Uh, the pastor here and other compassion uh, folks and these kids were just elated to meet us. And we got to worship with them in this building where they worship together as a church and where they are taught and loved and educated through the local church there. Let's go to the next next picture. Uh, there we are inside with all these kids. It had, the, it had the feeling that day of vacation Bible school. It was like a Wednesday and it was packed out in school, uh, uh, on, uh, with kids and just a phenomenal time. And they sang for us and shared the gospel. It was really, really neat. Uh, going to the next. Uh, I want to give you this last picture. Um, this young lady here, uh, she worked in the field office for Compassion in Lima. And uh, so that's their main office there in Peru. Um, and she is standing um, beside these little bitty uh, bins that you see there. And if you've ever sponsored a kid through any program, you potentially have written them a letter and sent that and maybe gotten one back. Well, all of these little bins represent churches. And uh, when kids get a letter that are part of that church, it goes in there and it gets translated either from English to Spanish if it's going that way or from Spanish to English if it's coming this way. 
And this young lady here was in charge of all of that correspondence, some 3,000 letters a week coming through that office. And she began to share a story, and she was talking about the importance of the letters. And I was like, well, this is, this is really cool. And this was our first day on the trip. And she goes on to talk, and she said, um, I know that these letters mean something to these kids. She said, because I've got a drawer at my house that's full of them because I was a compassion-sponsored kid, and I kept every single letter that I ever got. And in that moment, honestly, I'm about to lose it. Well, she's grown now. She's a follower of Jesus now. She works for compassion now. She's married, and she speaks of her husband in their home and in their neighborhood and how they are trying to love their neighbors the way they were loved through Christ. And uh, she said, we give, we share, and we love And then I don't know if you can tell it in this picture, but she pointed to her belly, and she was expecting a child. And she said, I've got a daughter on the way, and it's going to be different for this generation. I was like, let me out of the room. I've got to breathe. I can go home now. The trip has been worth it. It was just an incredible, incredible experience of seeing the effects of the hands and the feet of Jesus. And as you guys know, God's working in countries everywhere. He's working in our city. He's working in Peru. He's working in so many places. But this is incredible opportunity that we potentially have in front of us as a church because of the generosity that's been shared where we can actually partner with Compassion and Stadia, help a local church, plant another church in Peru, see a building erected, a pastor loving and leading and kids loved and cared for, and us potentially next year, not this year, but next year, us together potentially as families, sponsoring kids in that village, getting to know them, and potentially, if we want, going to meet them. We have the opportunity to experience that. So again, I ask you this question, what if this was the best Christmas ever? I want to reiterate what I said earlier. Good news can change everything. We as a church, we want to share the good news. Amen, church? We, we, want to sh- we don't want to keep it. We don't want to put it in a hole. We want to share it with the world. We want to share it with our neighbors. We want to share it with our friends. We want to share it with people that we know. We want to share it with people that we don't know. We want everyone everyone to have the gospel because we want everyone to experience the good news. And maybe you're here today and you're hearing this Luke 2 story again. You've heard it read before. And and I pray that today, maybe for the first time, it's coming alive for you. And you're realizing that it's more than a neat story, but it's about God becoming man. It's about Jesus leaving heaven, coming here to earth as a baby living among us to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, to bring us out of what we are stuck in. And what each one of us are stuck in, in and of ourselves, is our sin. But Jesus, the good news can change everything. Listen, when I die, I'm going to heaven. You're like, that sounds kind of arrogant. No, no, it's not at all, because I didn't do it. Jesus did it. His good news has changed me. He has forgiven me. And the rest of us in this room that are going to heaven when we die, we give the same one credit, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He can cleanse you, and he can forgive you of your sin and change everything. We want to share the good news. Excuse me, share the good news of Jesus, and we want you to experience the good news of Jesus. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to wrap this portion of our time up together this morning. Uh, and I want to say this to you as a church. 
Uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to have our regular church family meeting. We're going to come back together um, after we get done with our worship time. And here's been my prayer, okay? It's kind of a crazy prayer. My prayer is that here in just a little bit, we'll have the funnest, I know that's a good word, that we'll have the funnest business meeting ever. Because God has positioned us to be his hands and his feet and as we open our hands, we open the hands of Jesus. As we put our feet in front of the other to go and to tell, we are putting the feet of Jesus in go mode. And he's given us that incredible opportunity. And if you are here today and you're hearing about this good news of Jesus and you're understanding that, that, that it's there for you, we want you to experience it. Let's pray together.